0: I've asked my mother to come. People in the church have actually requested this as well, Mom.
1: Well, it's always a joy to be here. good to be with our children. To you, they're your pastors. But to us, they're our children. Looking back to their lives and how they live for the Lord and love Him. And we're just so thankful. And I have a prayer request for God. My prayer request is, show how great you are. Just show how great you are. You know, the world's in trouble, but God's so much greater than all the power of the devil. And I believe in end-time revival. Something is going to happen this year. It's going to amaze the world of what God's going to do. Well, I'll just take time to read a little poem here that I wrote. You know, it's hard to describe Jesus. It really is hard. But I wrote about his hands, and I pray it will bless you today. He was a carpenter. In Nazareth he was found. Folks brought their wood to him, crooked, bent, and bound. He fashioned to a masterpiece for all the world to know and made a thing of beauty from a twig bent down so low. He then became a potter and took a piece of clay to form a useful vessel. He did it in one day. His hand, so very skillful, turned water into wine, raised the dead from sleeping, and made the sick feel fine. He dried the tears from eyes that cried and let them see again. He cleansed the leper while he walked and forgave the lost their sin. He fed the hungry with just a piece of bread, and those tossed upon the sea knew they had naught to dread. He gave the widow back her son, Blessed children every day. Taught multitudes from dawn till dark. Found lost sheep who'd gone astray. Those hands, how kind, most beautiful, were nailed to the tree. It's those hands in heaven that I really want to see. God bless you.
0: Thank you, Mama. Isaiah 61, the first three verses have been called the mission statement of Jesus or the messianic mandate. In Luke chapter 4, he goes to his hometown into the synagogue and reads these three verses and tells them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. These verses are everything the Lord is about. If you don't have your Bible with you or on your phone, this very text is in your bulletin. He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now this is a a bit of Bible trivia, but where you see Lord capitalize, it's Jehovah, and sometimes when you see God capitalize, it's Jehovah. Jehovah. Translators, based on Jewish custom, not wanting to take the Lord's name in vain, didn't translate Jehovah, Yehovah, or Yahweh. They translated it Lord or God. Here he's saying the spirit or the Ruach of the Lord God or of Adonai Jehovah is upon me because the Lord or Jehovah has anointed me. So if you're going to be consistent with translating Jehovah, The word Jehovah into Lord, you could say it like this. The spirit of the Lord, Lord is upon me. He's a Lord of Lords, isn't he? Because Jehovah has anointed me to preach good tidings. Can we say good news to the poor? The King James Version says the meek. The Hebrew word literally means meek. A meek person has their strength under control. They're a godly and meek person. It doesn't mean they're weak. It means they recognize their weakness before Almighty God. And Moses was the weakest man that ever lived, and one day he ceased to remember his weakness before Almighty God, and it cost him a trip to the Holy Land. Meek people are not weak people, but they're people who recognize God's much stronger, recognize that we are weak people. It's a paradox. They're not weak, yet they recognize their weakness. People who are in poverty recognize their weakness. They recognize their need. It's a humble position. The gospel is good news to people that are willing to repent, to people that are humble, to people who recognize they need a Savior. To those who don't, it seems like nonsense. He has sent me to heal or bandage the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives or the slaves. The gospel was going to spread around the world and eventually abolish slavery. And we still have slavery in our world, but it is being abolished and it will eventually, should the Lord Jerry come to an end because of the power of the gospel, because of the words of Christ. The opening of the prison or deliverance, to those who are bound or in bondage, to proclaim the acceptable or favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. You see, Jesus is the lamb. He's also a lion. He's a healer, a physician, but he's also a warrior. Every act of kindness, every miracle, every... Healing he performed was wonderful from the human side, but from the side of the powers of darkness, it was horrifying. It was an attack. It was war. Have you ever noticed sometimes you do something kind for someone and you get kicked in the butt for it? Pardon my French. It was an act of war, an act of kindness for someone, an act of war for the enemy will seek to create all sorts of problems behind the scenes. If you've never been to see the Promising Rose, by all means do it. Because they do probably the best job I've ever seen of any of the passion plays out there of darkness working behind the scenes. It's not the main point of the story, but it's part of the story. If you read all the parables, there's some presence of evil in all the parables. Why? Jesus isn't naive. He recognizes we live in the real world, and so he shares truths to help people in this evil world. And so this is part of his mission, to bring vengeance against the powers of darkness. To comfort or console all who mourn or all who lament. To appoint or console those who mourn in Zion. And this is how he consoles them. or this is what he appoints for people in Zion that are in mourning. This is our heritage. This is our war chest. This is our meal, our inheritance. This is our tool. This is our mission. Appointed for all who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Ashes are not beautiful. They're ugly. They're the sign that something has burned. My parents are with us today. They went through a horrifying experience back in the late 80s. 86. Their church burned down and they were living in the church. Everything was covered in ashes. Yet out of that came something. Beautiful. And so it is in our lives. The Lord takes our mess and makes a message. Takes our test and gives us a testimony. He's the great transformer. Takes where we missed it and gives us a mission. The oil of joy for mourning. In the Christian walk, as we follow Jesus, he enables us to have joy even in the midst of sorrow. Two weeks ago, I watched a funeral. It was for Pastor Sheikh's nephew who was murdered in his own car. It's a mystery as to what happened. The church was packed. The people worshipped for an hour and a half. They gave God glory and worship. Why would they even want to do that? Because there's joy in His presence that helps us in the midst of of sorrow that helps us when we're surrounded by pain, we can still have joy simultaneously. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the ability to sing, the word there for praise in Hebrew is the word tehillah, probably the most famous of the seven words for praise. Tehillah means to sing or to laud, to sing a hymn, to sing a song. And here's the reason why he does these things for people that are mourning in Zion. The reason why he gives them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. He's making us oaks. He's making us solidly righteous people. No longer like a reed blown about by the wind, but men and women of faith because of what the Lord is doing in our life. The planting of the Lord, his vineyard, his garden, that he may be glorified. You deserve the glory and the honor. Speaking to you today on the subject of joy, focus on this word that he gives us, the oil of joy for mourning. For me, my key word is going to be contending for joy in 2016. Joy is not a cheap, positive mental attitude, pick yourself by your own bootstraps kind of thing. It's superior to happiness. Happiness is wonderful, but it comes and goes. It's happenstance. It's related to circumstances. But joy is related to your relationship with God and no one else. It can surpass your understanding. We love the name Joy in our family. My mother's named Joyce. She had a daughter named Joyce. We had a daughter, and my sister had a daughter, and we named our daughters, their middle name's Joy, and then both of our children have children whose middle name is Joy. Any other grandkids? Yeah, so a ton of Joys in our family with four children, eight grandchildren, eight great-grandchildren. There's a lot of Joys in that group. And they're, they're a happy bunch of kids. Very joyous, because they're children. Today, we're speaking on knowing God. Once again, we've covered knowing God in person, knowing God in Scripture, knowing God in prayer. Knowing God in worship, knowing God in hardship. Last Sunday we spoke about knowing God in newness. We looked at all the new things promised to us in our relationship with God. Today this is another one of those new things that he gives and we can receive every morning I believe. Knowing God in joy. Can we say joy? Joy. Who could use some more joy? Sometimes we are so serious it robs us of our joy. The Onion is a website that publishes fake articles. So when I read this to you, think satire. Okay, Remember satire? Think satire. And I read it because I know it's going to relate to some people. You may be like this yourself. The satire of a man who almost enjoyed himself. Marshall Platt. 34, came tantalizingly close to kicking back and having a good time while attending a friend's backyard barbecue last night before remembering each and every one of his professional and personal obligations, backyard sources confirmed. While he chatted with friends over a relaxed meal, Platt was reportedly seconds away from letting go and finally enjoying himself when he was suddenly crushed by the full weight of emails that still needed to be dealt with and that unresolved, bothersome issue with the Southwest Airlines Rapid Rewards account <laughs> and those phone calls that need to be returned. Coming to the razor's edge of experiencing genuine joy, Mr. Platt mentally shopped for a birthday present, made a silent note to call his bank about that recurring fee. He doesn't know what it's about. And his near-giddy buzz vanished when he remembered he hadn't called his aunt yet to check on her. According to sources, Mr. Platt tried to put his responsibility-laden thoughts out of his mind and loosen up, but suddenly he remembered a magazine subscription that needed to be renewed by Friday, or the price goes up. And the fact that he needed to do laundry by tonight or tomorrow, he wouldn't have clean socks. I thought it was funny. Don't let your joy be robbed. The Lord has joy for us, but sometimes we don't enjoy it. Years ago, I heard a man say that joy does not come from answers. Joy comes from God. Joy is not dependent on a problem-free life. Joy is dependent on a presence-filled life, the presence of the Lord. Fullness of joy is in God's presence. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life. So here's the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. To the unbelieving world, joy is often a weekend pursuit. Or a lifelong pursuit. It's always just there and and then it's gone. And all they have is memories how much fun it was. But my life is horrible now. Whereas for the believer, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, Nehemiah said, is joy for the journey. It's a walk, walking in joy that the Lord has. And I believe it comes through encountering God's presence. When we're worshiping, we encounter God's presence. When you pray, you encounter God's presence. When you're reading the scriptures and taking time to let them speak to you, you're encountering God's presence. And there's a residue of that presence. It's joy. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Peter quoted this in his sermon in Acts chapter 2. The church was born 120 men plus women and children were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues. (gasps) And there were gathered there in Jerusalem that day people from every nation under heaven, the Bible says, and it lists 15 different nationalities, one of which probably alluded to more than one language. So 15 plus languages were heard being spoken by this 120 plus people. And You know what they said? These people are full of new wine. I think there was more going on there than just hearing someone speak in tongues. Now, obviously, if you didn't understand the language, it might sound like gibberish to you. If I understand the language and the person's been drinking too much, you don't understand them because their speech is slurred. I think there was a little more going on here than somebody's speech being misunderstood. I think they understood it very well. They were expressing joy. They heard them speaking the wonderful praises of God. They were filled with joy. Now, some people get drunk and they get happy. Other people get drunk and they get sad. And so people thought this was some kind of new way of getting drunk. So it had to allude to more than just tongues. It had to allude to joy. There's plenty of tongue talkers in the world that have a face as long as a donkey's. Like, man, Lord, come to give you joy, people. Fullness of joy is in Christ's promises. Listen to what he promised. In John 15, 11, he said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. He's referring to what he had just said to them. He's talking about the vine. We're the branches. He's the vine. If we abide in him, we will obey his words. So he's, he's referring, I believe, to all his words. If we take the things Jesus had to say seriously, joy, fullness of joy, is going to be a consequence. The next chapter he says in verse 24, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So taking his word seriously results in fullness of joy and praying in his name results in fullness of joy. Fullness of joy is in His Holy Spirit. In Acts 13, verse 52, it says the disciples were filled with joy. I believe they were filled with joy in Acts 2 as well. And with the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, Paul prayed this for the church there in Rome. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're filled with all joy and peace, giving us the ability to believe we can abound in hope. The Spirit's joy is in His fruit. In the list of the fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Some theologians believe that the fruit of the Spirit is love, period. And these other things are descriptions of love, the consequence of love. In Paul's definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, some of that relates to some of this. If you've been in love, what's one of the consequences of being in love? Joy. Yes. When I first met this young lady here on the front row 39 years ago, I would smile. Is filled with joy. This is consequences of the Holy Spirit being in your life is joy. Well, I have the Holy Spirit, but I don't have joy. Well, does the Holy Spirit have you? Who's the Lord in this thing? The Untapped Powers of the Smile is an amazing TED Talk by a guy named Ron Gutman. And in Forbes magazine, their website... A man named Eric Savitz wrote on the untapped power of smiling. He says that 3D ultrasound technology shows that developing babies appear to smile even in the womb. After they're born, they continue to smile. Even blind babies will smile at the sound of a human voice. At University of California, Berkeley, a 30-year longitudinal study was conducted that examined the smiles of students in their old yearbooks and compared their smiles to their lives. Those with the biggest smiles had the happiest marriages, the most successful businesses, and the most fulfilling lives. They scored highest on standardized tests of well-being and general happiness, and they were the most inspiring to others. The widest smilers were consistently ranked highest in all the tests that they did. How can that be done? Well, just find a yearbook 30 years old and then look up all those people and see how they're doing and then look at their smiles. Even more surprising was a 2010 Wayne State University project where they studied the baseball cards of major league players from 1952. So this was five, six years ago they got these 58-year-old baseball cards. And the study found that the span of a player's smile could actually predict the span of his life. If I had time, I could show you some of the pictures. The players who didn't smile, they kind of scowled, you know, I'm the fierce baseball player. They lived an average of 72.9 years, while the players with deeming smiles lived an average of 79.9 years. As believers, we should be the most joy-filled people on earth because of the promises the Lord has given us. It's not from the outside in. It's from the inside out. Get someplace to pray and cast all your cares on the Lord, everything that's worrying you. Put all your trust in Him. And when you feel a sense of relief, Bask in that relief and let it impact your day and you'll discover, oh, this is what joy feels like. God's kingdom is known by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know that video we watched earlier, how long has it been since you've been childlike? Remember what Jesus said about childlikeness? He said, if such is the kingdom of God, unless you become like a child, you can't even enter the kingdom. Children are quick to repent, they're quick to forgive, and they're filled with joy. In Romans 14, Paul's dealing with the subject of eating meat offered to idols and how wrong it is and, and people fighting over eating meat. And then, of course, you got the Judaizers that were always bothering Paul's ministry. You know, stay away from pork chops and shrimp and catfish. Paul says, look, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Has your walk with the Lord liberated you from pettiness? A lot of people, when there are sticklers in the world, they come into the church, they become sticklers in the church. I remember years ago, this is a long time ago, nobody knows. Had a mother come to me upset about the children not being perfectly still in the service. People raise their children differently than the way she was raised. So it wasn't long till they changed churches. Then guess who calls Pastor Allen about the state of her children? They don't want to go to church. She lost the grasp. The kingdom of God is not a lot of stuff we make it. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it's based on the heart of a child. Obviously, children need to be corrected when they're wrong. But if they're not sinning, my goodness, leave them alone. Knowing God in joy means we can have His joy in sorrow. Listen to this perspective on life. Paul, once again, what an example to us all. He said, I am exceedingly joyful, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4, in all our tribulation. Not, I'm going to be glad when this is over, but in trouble. He's exceedingly joyful. We say exceedingly? Exceedingly joyful. Second Corinthians 8, the next chapter, he begins, We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And here's what incredible churches they were. What a testimony to God's grace. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So, they were liberal givers, even though they were afflicted and in deep poverty, they still had abundant joy, which caused them to obey God and do amazing things. I had a great childhood, raised on the mission field, lived for several years in the third world. And I can testify I saw it, I witnessed it. Some people, very poor, who found Jesus, the most joyful people you would ever meet. Don't have nothing, pardon my French bad English, but they didn't have anything, and they didn't have nothing either. (laughs) Paul wrote in another one of his letters, 1 Thessalonians 1, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit. Do you have much joy? It's available in knowing God. Pursue knowing God. And of course, we'll have joy in the future. What a glorious day that will be. In this you greatly rejoice, First Peter 1, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing... You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. We can have unspeakable joy in the midst of trials, fires, things we go through. Hurt, God can give you joy. Janet Kidder needs our prayers. She can have joy. Obviously, don't go up to her and say, buck up, Billy boy. You know, just weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And in our seasons of mourning, we don't need to be rushed through into a state of denial where we're not hurting. No, we are hurting, but we have a hope. Gary's not hurting anymore. That'll put a smile on your face. Man, what a, what a soldier. Peter goes on in chapter 4, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. We endure for the sake of the joy in the future. Remember Hebrews 12, 1. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, the joy in front of him, he endured what he had to go through, the cross, despising the shame. Oh, I thought Jesus loved me. He did. He does. And he hated the cross. He was going to be separated from God, separated from himself. What a horrible experience. For us. He did it for the joy. The future. How many mothers in the house? For the joy of the child you pushed at the right time. For the sake of the future. In conclusion, Jude, one of the brothers of Jesus, verse 24 and 25 of his little letter before Revelation, he ends with this, powerful benediction now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy so we serve a god who is able to keep us from falling to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy there it is again this this great fullness of joy to the only wise god our savior be glory and majesty, dominion, and power, both now and ever. Amen. And we pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thankful for your faithfulness when we're not. Forgive us, Lord, for living below our privileges. And not walking in this fullness of joy that is promised to us. I pray, Lord, for every person here, those that have not yet received your spirit, that they would begin to seek you for the fullness of what you have for them. And, Lord, may joy be their portion. May no person under the sound of my voice live a life below the privileges promised to a believer in your word. Lord, help us to receive all that You have for us and to walk in it in the strength and the joy that comes from Your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. In a minute, I'm going to have you to stand as Pastor Shake will lead us in a song. and I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and join me across the front here. And we'll be up here to pray with you about anything. you'd like to be healed in your body, you'd like wisdom for a decision, you would like to repent of your sins, you would like to receive the Holy Spirit, you'd like for renewal of your joy, we'll be up here to pray with you. Can we stand? Prayer team, just come on down and line up across the front. And As they're coming, why don't you come on down and Come and receive prayer. Do not miss this opportunity.
1: Amen. Grace.